Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. On this week's show, well, it wouldn't be a New York Rangers podcast if we didn't talk about two things here as we enter the uh, the second week of March, goaltending and trade. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what we're going we're gonna to jump into today. Uh, Dave and Becky, how are you guys uh, doing on this fine Wednesday evening as we get folks ready for... Uh, for uh, the, the rest of this road trip ahead for the uh, Rangers. Doing great over here. Um, I would say, though, we should also, t- also talk about Mika March because classic. But Dave, how are you? I am good, but I am also wondering how we managed to go from murder hornets to parachuting spiders. I think the parachuting spiders are similar to those. Um, shit, I can't think of the name, but the like the the flies that we had last the year spotted lantern fly yeah, yeah the spot that are like gorgeous but really horrible they were like beautiful and every time we had to kill one we were like this is sad right they're also still everywhere, though, parachuting basically. spiders who taught these fucking spiders spiders how to are okay all right i'm gonna do it i'm just gonna fucking do it all right spiders are our friend and we need to stop acting like they're not our friend they kill all the other stupid bugs that are a pain in the ass. Like, they kill mosquitoes. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. Once a spider enters my house, it's dead. It, it, it's gone. It, it no. has entered well, my domain. I think I think you're being a little bit short-sighted. And also, we're talking about parachuting spiders outside. Like, the outside is where they live. Like They wind up the in my home species. way too much. And you know what? Right, I'm Dave, okay with them being outside. Humans are the invasive species. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying. disagreeing with you, but while I'm an invasive species, I don't want spiders parachuting on my head. Fine. Then enjoy mosquitoes eating your ass, okay? I, I mean, I do wear pants. Uh, I wear pants, so I don't really know if they're eating they my ass. They don't care. They get through. You've never gotten, like, a mosquito bite on your butt cheek? No, actually. I, 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 I don't. I, I got nothing, Becky. Do you go to the beach? No, I hate the beach. I, I have a pool. I, I go to the pool. What the fuck is wrong with you? I hate Dave? the beach. Jesus Christ! I should l- let me let me rephrase. I hate Long Island Beach. Why do you Long live Island on Long Island? I hate Long Island beaches. Hate, hate Long beach. Island beaches. The water's brown. The people that? suck. And oh my no. god! Oh my god! You are such a fucking brat. I can't even deal no, with you. I am a pool you. guy. I'm, I'm not doing this podcast. I am a pool guy through and through. I love me a pool. I am not. I, I'll go to the beach. Don't get me wrong. I'll go to a Caribbean beach. I do not go to Long Island beaches. I am not a fan. You are such a snob. How is that a snob? It's my personal preference. Okay, that doesn't mean that you don't have a character like you. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna call time on this. This is I think we're I think we're now at the three minute mark already uh, <laughs> into our show here. So excellent moderator. As a host, <laughs> as a facilitator, I'm gonna call that debate or argument even. Um, I tend to agree with, I love the beach, so Dave, I, I don't agree with you. Of your, course your you love the beach. You're married to the one that loves the beach. You have to say that or I she's going to kill you. Beach. Dave, Wave. we all grew up going to the beach. It's I so, did not. So I stupid. grew up going to my backyard pool, and it was fantastic. Okay, but like, even if you have a pool, it doesn't take away from the beach. The ocean is better than a pool. False. Both, I, you, False. Bo- both are great. They complement each other, but I also. Whatever. I'm just, I'm just saying, like you're not special because you have a pool. That's all I'm saying. I'm not special. I'm, I never. What? 
How did you put words okay. in my mouth? I, I'm actually considering cutting this whole thing now because it's getting it's getting. <laughs> so let me let's start first of all, Becky, to bring it back. You were a guest on another <laughs> podcast, uh, which dropped on uh, on Wednesday on Wednesday morning, uh, the Thirty on Broadway Talking Blue Shirts podcast. So why don't you just give those guys a shout out? Tell us uh, how your experience was, and hopefully you uh, you plugged our show once or twice as well. Yeah, I mean, I did. Um, I, I had a great time. I think that I loved just like the roundtable um, approach. And it was actually really streamlined. Those guys are professionals. And just it was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of discussion around Chris Kreider and JT Miller. Um, and that was really fun. And also the friendship per 60 on our team right now. Um, and yeah, I was just really great. I like loved the hospitality, Nick, Chris, and then Drew Way was also on it, which is always fun to talk to him. So, you know, if you haven't listened to their podcast, like there's so much great Ranger podcast content out there and you should absolutely give it a listen. We'll shoot a plug out from the podcast account when this drops as well. So yeah, thanks guys. If you're listening, appreciate you having me on. Although we do have a yeah, I per personal bone to pick because I don't know, understand how you guys like a crunch bar. It's just disturbing to me. Dave, I'm not fighting with you anymore. It's, it's too <laughs> tiring. Or at least, uh, at least I need like 10 minutes to reset. Fair. Fair enough. Crunch no, I, I would love to have one of those guys on, you know, like you said, Nick or Chris. Also, you know, uh, Drew Way had some really interesting nuggets. Uh, you know, he's obviously known for his analytics stuff, his prospect stuff on Twitter, but uh, also pretty plugged in guy and alluded to um, some insider knowledge that, that he at least was able to get um, back in the day. I think he said he had a relative in the in the front office. So he was, a, you know, he learned a lot, a lot about um, some of the inner workings of the Rangers mentioned JT Miller a lot and I'll paraphrasing here and I think you need to go check out the podcast to really get the full flavor of this but um, JT was not well liked and JT was uh, let's just say uh, enjoying the nightlife in New York a little too much to the point where the Rangers kind of had to put a lid on it and make sure that none of it got into the uh, the page sixes of the world so again he's older now that stuff happened six seven eight years ago but uh, you know as we sort of, you know, allude to some of the trade discussion that may come up later, you know, tread with very uh, tread with caution if you're going to go the JT Miller route. And I think that goes for any team that may look to acquire him. So, yeah, Becky, I don't know if you had any thoughts about that. And I know you have your own opinions on on Miller as is. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a fuck boy. So that's, <coughs> that's like my basic you use like, that term this, on their show, too. Sure did. I mean, it's also you know, and again, like we talked about this at length, so not to go too deep into it, but it's just he he's like comes off to me and there's stories and whatever that he's like a petulant child. And it feels like from an outsider's perspective at this point that like the Rangers locker room is really great. And I know like teams don't win on locker rooms. That was like the joke about the Mets last year. It's like, well, at least they like each other. But um I do think that having a good dynamic is important. It seems like once he left the Rangers, even he was like, well, the Rangers, like, no one liked each other. And, like, he was just kind of like a little bitch about it. And I'm I'm not here for, like, baby bitch energy. I'm here for, like, winning energy. So that's just my two cents. I mean, if he comes to the Rangers and wins the Stanley Cup, you know, gets the Stanley Cup winning goal, like, I'll get a JT Miller jersey. But... My two cents. I don't really want him. Also, he wore ten. We can't give him ten again. So that's true. He needs and he can't wear nine because nine's retired and he wears nine yep. in Vancouver. 
So yeah, I'm with no, you we'll on get the specky. To... I want nothing to do with JT Miller. Nothing. Oh, we agree. I, I, I look at that. I, I know. I, I actually am speechless. But no, I want nothing to do with him. He, in addition to enjoying the nightlife, he was more or less a complete fucking prick the entire time he was in New York. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm happy that he turned into a point per game player in Vancouver. Good for him. Yay. I'm glad he got a bag. Good for him. The Rangers are not only playoff bound, they're a good team. And Drury has prided himself on turning this locker room around because that's really the only thing that he can pride himself on for this team right now. <laughs> and you're going to go and insert JT fucking Miller, who is not... Yes, he's a very good hockey player. And if Ryan Reeves and Barkley Goodrow can keep him you know, from straying the, the, the good line here or avoiding the bad place, then great. But... Do you really want to give up Nils, Niels Lundqvist for that? Right. Because they're not giving up that, that risk. That we know. No. And that risk plus acquisition cost probably makes it a no from me as well. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there's another sort of trade scenario that I'm going to throw out a little bit later in the show that is, is sure to, to spark some feelings. So we'll get to that. That's a nice little tease, as we like to call it in the business. But um, let's take a look at the last couple games or the last few games the Rangers have played. Uh, after Tuesday night's loss, before, sorry, Tuesday night's loss to Minnesota, they'd been on a three-game winning streak. I kind of want to just focus on the, the, the two uh, most recent of those those three wins. The, the home game against the Devils, that was a Friday night at the Garden. Rangers won that one 3-1. to one. Kind of a wide-open back-and-forth game. Uh, not exactly a defensive masterpiece by either team. Um, but Igor Shosturkin and Net Rangers get it done. And then they, they go to Winnipeg and win pretty convincingly 4-1. to one. You know, even though uh, Winnipeg had, I think they've added a few shots after the game ended. They ended up with something like 46 shots on goal. Um, you know, the, the Rangers really had control of, of that game for the most part. I think, at least in my opinion, the shot total was misleading. But then you get to the Minnesota game. Obviously, Alexander Georgiev starts, gives up a bad goal eight minutes in, and that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the game in which the Rangers just didn't play well as a team, certainly didn't help uh, Georgiev out. But um, you know, Valaket was saying on the post game that he thought that first goal changed the game and changed the team's whole approach because they're basically re- then trying to make up for, you know, and help your give out a little bit more. Um, and that caused them to, you know, run themselves into some defensive miscues. So I want to start with the goalies. First of all, Georgiev, Dave, where are we here? Is this like, is this it? Is this like the nail in the coffin? And do the Rangers need to move on? even if that means getting below market value, essentially the cliched bag of pucks back because the situation's untenable, right? I mean, the guy's not a backup. Can I rant for a second before I answer that question? Go ahead. Yeah. Nothing pisses me off more than people blindly blaming Georgiev because they don't like him. Because they saw the the little head tap he gave to Shesterkin that one time and said, oh my God, Georgiev's an asshole. I hate him. I want him off this team. And they're going to blame him for giving up a breakaway goal, for giving up a goal, an empty net goal. I, I mean, they basically blame him for not scoring at this point. And you know what? You show your ass when you do that because you show that you have absolutely no idea how the goalie position is played, what is the actual goalie's fault, and you can't get past your own fucking biases. And perhaps I am a little biased because I'm a goalie and I hated being blamed for everything. 
But there are some goals that are on Georgiev, like the first one. That was a terrible goal. And the second Fiala goal, the one where he kind of roofed it backhand short side, that was not a good goal. Shesterkin doesn't give that one up. But you're going to go and blame Georgiev for an empty net goal, a breakaway goal, and a power play goal. I think the third one was a power play goal. Someone's going to have to keep that keep me honest. Yeah, or it was that, that it was that mid-air deflection one off. Yeah, the, the mid rush, yeah, and the Rangers one. did not cover that rush very well. Uh, yep. and it could have been a high stick too. It was close. That was a power play though, wasn't it? I might have No, been. I think the chaos when, empty net the one second... was a power play goal. Yeah, that was No, a, well, yeah. but, but what about okay, and just keep me honest, but after cuz Mika scored that ridiculous goal, that was the second goal. It was yes. tied 2-2 two, two, and and that was shorthanded. And, yeah, then and then they scored right after. But maybe the power play had expired. I don't know. No, no, no that was sad. the power play goal. But that on that play, uh, Fiala was just wide open. And it was, mm-hmm. it was you know, Dave saying empty net, meaning that Georgiev was all yeah. the way on the right side of the yeah. net and the yep, puck yep, slipped yep, yep, back yep, the yep. other yeah. way. Yeah, and Fiala and just slammed And people like, oh, he overcommitted. He overcommitted to no. the goal. What the fuck was he supposed to do? No, that was Keandre's. It was Keandre Miller's fault. It's pretty yeah. clear. I, I mean, I'm uh, not even looking to blame the a specific player on the goal. Listen, chaos breeds goals. That shift was chaos. And that's all it was. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me that you're blaming Georgia for all five goals, you should never talk hockey ever again because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm not saying Georgia was great. Georgia was not great. But he also did stop three or four shots that probably should have gone in. And the stats have shown the guy is a starter. He cannot handle the backup netminder mindset that you need to have of always constantly being vigilant and being ready. He's not that guy. That's fine. Henrik Lundqvist was not that guy. That's why he wanted to be bought out. Remember this? He was bought out. Mm-hmm. They asked him. He said yes. He wanted to be a starter. He knew but he could be Dave, when you say, up. like, the stats support... The stats do support it. Uh, Yorgiavi, do you mean that, like, his stats get better as he plays more regularly, uh, right? I gotta pull this up. Uh, I have it somewhere in my Twitter. Now I gotta... Ah, uh, here we go. Yorgiev, this is as of February 25th. Yorgiev splits game games where he plays back-to-backs. 2-0 with a 9.07 save percentage. With one day rest, basically, he's a starter. 9.25 save percentage. Interestingly enough, he's one in three in those games. That's not on him. What's the sample size for these? Um, this is just this year. So with okay. one day rest, okay. he's one in three with a 925 save percentage. With two days rest, he's two one and one with a 922 save percentage. So right there, we're looking at the back-to-backs, one day rest, two day rest. That's basically when Shesterkin was uh, when Shesterkin was hurt. Games with. Three right. or plus, three or more days rest. Basically, he's the backup. Two, three, and one with an eight sixty-seven save percentage. Right. He right. does not function as a backup. And to circle right. back to the original question before I went on that rant, I think they have to get rid of him. If anything, because they need somebody who can win games and give Shesterkin a break. And Georgiev is clearly not what they need right now. And he, he will thrive in Edmonton. Uh, I don't want to say Edmonton. <laughs> he will thrive wherever he goes if it's not Edmonton. Ottawa, maybe. <laughs> Honestly, Ottawa Montreal. with um, Anton Forsberg is their guy there. You do, what, a Georgiev for Forsberg and a pick? You get a second-round pick in Forsberg, a true backup goalie, and a second-round pick for Georgiev. You're probably not getting much more for Georgiev. Or you could do something crazy with Montreal. 
Jeff Gordon knows Georgiev. Maybe you do like a Jake Allen, a 50% retained. But I don't know if you really want to go the Jake Allen route. Yeah, I really don't want to. No, me either. <laughs> really. I don't want to trade the same for, you know, I just no thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, Forsberg is, yeah. I think Forsberg is a good idea. Maybe they just trade Georgiev to Montreal anyway and then just do a separate deal for Forsberg. I don't know. But you, ha- you have to get rid of him at this point. He's. It's not about his personality. It's not about how he's playing. It's just he's not what the team needs. I mean, I I agree. Like, I think we need to – he needs to be traded. And I, I do feel like more – like, not in a negative, like, I want him out of here kind of way. Like, just more in, like, I agree. Like, let him have the chance to be a starter somewhere. I do think, though, my expectations for a return are literally zero, like a third-round pick. Like, that's, like, my expectation mm-hmm. for a return. Like, I'm not expecting anything tangible. Like, anything. I'm expecting to be like, oh, yeah, in, like, five years. Like, hey, that actually really worked out for the Rangers. Or that was a trade, whatever. You know, I don't think that Georgie's going to, like, turn around and be some super special goalie. And I just hope that he's able to get the bag somewhere and get the starting job and win the starting job somewhere. But... It ain't going to be here, so let's cut let's cut the ties here. Yeah, and I do want to mention as well that he's handled this pretty well. Now, there's plenty of people who love to do body language, uh, you know, analysis, and you know they look at how guys are acting on the bench and how guys act in the handshake line and all that silly stuff that that you alluded to, Dave. Um, and yeah, look, Georgiev's not the most fired up guy. Um, whatever, I, you know. Honestly, he went in front of the media last night after a really tough game. He has not won now, and I think his last five starts. I think he's he's lost five straight, and he answered questions. You know, and that's a, that's a lot more than a lot of athletes can say, especially now with the way it works with COVID, and you know they don't allow the media into the locker room anymore. So, you know, uh, Georgiev was asked, you know, most likely asked by the Rangers PR staff, like, hey, would you mind going to do the press conference? And he said, yeah. I, I mean, give him a lot of credit for that. And I also give a ton of credit to uh, Gerard Gallant, who is well known as a player's coach, somebody who uh, earns the trust and respect of his players. And, you know, he said, look, I feel bad for the kid because it's, it's a really impossible task. And he said, you know, look, my job as coach is to win hockey games, and that has to come before individual players. We want to get him in there more frequently. You know, he basically admitted that the last time, his last start was unfair. The guy hadn't played in literally a whole month. Um, I'll tell you what I would do. I don't know if you guys would agree with this. I would come back with him either tomorrow uh, or, sorry, tonight now against the Blues or on Saturday against Dallas. I think he's got to play at least one more of these two games remaining on this road trip because, you know, I think that would not only show Georgiev faith and uh, would maybe lift his spirits a little bit. I think it might also send a little bit, bit of a message to the team. Because the other thing I wanted to bring up, Dave, and I know we've talked about this a lot over the years. Well, you know, we haven't been doing this podcast that long, but you know, we, the three of us and our wider group have talked about Rangers for quite a while. Um, the Rangers do ha- have at times in their history with Lundqvist and, and, you know, now into the Shesterkin era, they've played better in front of backup goalies. You know, and, and I know with Lundqvist, there was a whole tactical issue with the way the defenseman played in front. And that, you know, that might have led to um, that might have been a driver behind some of that, some of that, th- those patterns. But, you know, I think the Rangers at times, uh, not so much this year, but in previous years 
have been better in front of a backup goalie because they kind of realize, oh, you know, shit, we don't have Hank back there, so we better be on our game defensively tonight, and we better, you know, take care of the puck and not not do stupid stuff in our own zone. I do wonder if, you know, Gerard Gallant sort of sends a message to the team, uh, which he apparently did in practice, too, on Wednesday. He, You know, I think I Vince Mercagliano tweeted that he had to stop a drill, made the guys do laps, and then restart the drill. He was pissed off with their effort. So I wonder if he puts Georgiev back in there and says, don't leave this guy hanging out to dry. Let's get a win for this guy tonight. Um, but do you think there's anything to that, Dave? Like, might they play better in front of Georgiev? You know, maybe that's something that, that can, um, you know, that, that might manifest itself now, um, you know, because the mindset of the team changes when Shesterkin's not in there. Well, I mean, they played like shit against Minnesota, so the bar's on the floor. <sighs> yeah. Uh, that game was yeah, horrible. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, they were they were awful defensively. It was one of their worst defensive games of the year, for sure. Yeah, but they, I mean, they don't do anything tactically different. It's not like with Lundqvist, where Lundqvist basically asked them to play in front of the man in front. It gave him, I guess, more reaction time or a better sight path. I still don't understand how Lundqvist did that. Don't uh, that one? I don't know. Lundqvist is an alien, but. I don't see anything different in the way they're playing. I just think they... I think they play like this regularly, and Shesterkin just masks it more. Because Shesterkin is having a historic season right now. I don't think people understand yeah. that, how good the season is. It's the best statistical season in Rangers goaltending history. And it's top five in... NHL goaltending history in terms of just statistical. Ah, it, it, I'm sorry, he's not as good as, as that, Herdemico. Sorry, <laughs> Canucks fans, I swear they 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 have the best shrooms out there. They uh, they really do. I mean, man, I would love to be a Canucks fan and live in that fantasy land all the time. And yeah, I, I'm aware that, was, that, that somebody's going to clip that and. Uh, they're going to be in my mentions all over again saying that you have to give your firstborn child to get JT Miller. Oh, the guy blocked me, so, you Ugh. know. Because I was like, this is such, why am I on this such a trash take? But anyway, sense. sorry, go on. No, no, no. I, I'm always here for trashing delusional fan bases, of which the Rangers fan base is probably up there, too. I don't want to, you know, we're probably delusional, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. However... What you said about Igor is 100% true. And I think as we look at his season and the way it's developed, especially over the last, this seems to have all come together over the last month because the Rangers have been playing, you know, pretty decent hockey results-wise. And even, you know, in front of Igor, there, there's, there's been some probably slightly more bad than good, but they're certainly not like a complete train wreck the way they were in the first couple of months of the year. We know they could be better. That's really seems like more of a depth issue to me, hopefully something they address at the trade deadline um, because their top six has generally been been better lately. Um, but what the rest of the league has taken notice now that what Igor Shesterkin is doing is historic, and there has been some buzz about him being potentially the first goalie since 2015 to win the Hart Trophy. Um, Becky, and I know we have a question about this coming later as well, but what are your thoughts on that? Do you you think that that is possible? And do you think it's okay if a goalie wins the Hart Trophy? Or or are you one of these folks who's like, oh, no, well, they have the Vezina. Why would you give a goalie a Hart Trophy? So, you know, I just want to get your thoughts on the the wider Hart Trophy debate. 
it's the same thing with like MLB with like the MVP shouldn't be a pitcher or whatever. And I'm just like, why? Like, why shouldn't it be a pitcher? Um, if it's the most valuable player to a team. I also, by the way, I'm just going to back up for a sec. I don't subscribe to the the thought process that like your team has to be a playoff team in order for um, for them, you know, for your player to be considered for MVP. Like, I just don't believe in it. I think it's ridiculous. I think they should actually do those awards before either like before the playoffs start or like they, sh- they should lock voting like once they should lock the voting once the playoffs starts. Like there's no, oh, but like they won the World Series. And so like, no, that's why like the Com Smythe exists. That's not why like the heart exists. So kind of flexing between two sports here. But I think that if you are the most valuable player for your team and like you show that like your team is much better when you're playing for them versus not like, there it is. That's your tangible proof. You're the most valuable. Like, I, I don't I don't see why not. And a lot of people said, like, well, he only plays like, you know, whatever. Like he's what people is like, he only plays like eight, like 60 percent of the games or 70 percent. Like, OK. And then everyone's response, which was so good, was like, <laughs> yeah, player like, you know, top like forwards only play 20 minutes and like defensemen only play 25 or whatever minutes. Like, well, does that mean like that yeah. they actually play what? I can't do math. 30, 33% of the 30, game. 33% yeah, 30, of the game. Right. Not that I do math for a living, but like, you know, I mean, that's, it's just such a fucking stupid thing to say. I think like if you are excluding a position because there's another award for that position, well, like there's also an award for the best defensive forward. There's also yeah. an award for the, you know, the Rocket Richard for, like, the best goal scorer. Does that mean that if you win the Rocket Richard, like, you can't win the heart? That makes no sense. And no will one that would take Austin that. Matthews out of the running? And that's well, exactly the why exactly. Toronto was like, all of Toronto's like, oh, Austin Matthews should get it because he leads the league in goals. Well, he's got the Rocket Richard for that. Well, and here's my thing, too, and I find it very funny. And, and maybe I'm, I'm going to be slightly ignorant here, but... Leafs fans are doing this thing now where because what Igor is doing is historic, they're trying to frame Austin Matthews season as historic. And it's not. It's a great season, but he's not on pace to score 94 goals. He's not on pace to have 215 points or break any of those records yeah. by Gretzky. He's no. having a, he's having a great season. He's got 43 goals. He's probably going to score 60 plus. I don't think Kreider is going to catch him. You know, you know, we're just hoping for 50 from Chris. But um, they're trying to frame Matthew's season as historic, I think, to try and counter the Shesterkin narrative. And that's ridiculous because. I, yeah. Yeah. No. Go ahead. What? I just like to, to like because I have a lot of feelings about Toronto. They're literally these fans like I'm exhausted for Toronto fans. It must be exhausting to be a Maple Leafs fan because half the time you hate your team and want to sell it. The other half, you're, like, obsessively defending them, and no one's ever going to games. So my thing about the Leafs is that up until, like, a month ago, they were like, well, actually, Campbell was the Vezina winner, blah, blah. And then it was like, well, actually, Campbell is completely fucking average and had, like, a run of good games. So let's relax, okay? They'd be lucky, by the way, if Campbell could be average because he's been awful lately. He's been, like, worse than Georgiev awful. No, I know. And, like, I don't – I know that this is ridiculous because we're not rivals, but, like, 
I've said this before on the podcast. I've said it to you, Rob, like in the comfort of our home, that I just Toronto makes me laugh. Like I will never, ever, ever take them seriously. They need to win. And they, they actually probably need to like pull a Tampa Bay and like win a bunch before I would take them seriously. I would love to play them in the playoffs. And if this comes back to bite me in the ass, then it comes back to bite me in the ass. But I just don't take them seriously. Uh, they're just fucking losers. And that's just what it is. So <laughs> anyway, well, yeah. I'm actually, by the way, I'm actually in a good mood today. So like, I don't, I don't know what my attitude is right now. Maybe I just popping off. I don't know. Well, while you were, I was listening to that and I saw a tweet pop up in my timeline about which players are generating offense when it matters the most here your top 10 expected goals for generators Jack in the Campbell. third period of a tie game and their actual goals. The best is Jeff Skinner with 14 goals and a, wow, that's absurd, a nine and a half expected goals wow. for. That's great for Jeff Skinner. I'm happy he figured it out. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Sixth on this list is Chris Kreider. You, you know who's not on it. this list? Austin Matthews. There you Strange. go. So you know well, what? But he's so valuable. He's well, padding his stats. When, yeah, when, clearly. In the, in the, in he's the like the A-Rod of, of hockey. Yes, very A-Rod. <laughs> very A-Rod. Seventh inning home run down eight to three. You can count on A-Rod. Um, listen, I, he, he he's a great player. He plays the second most important position, center. Um, and... I'm sure he's going to win plenty of trophies. I think you're right, Becky, that he's on a team that may not ever win the big one. Obviously, as Ranger fans, we can't do much talking. They've won one cup in 81 years. So the whole the whole point, I think, of the discussion is that Igor Shesterkin deserves to be in the conversation for the Hart Trophy. And right now, I don't think you can name more than two players who deserve it more than he does. Um, as of now, again, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are doing what they do, and Edmonton is doing what they do as a team. They're mediocre, and I think, you know, the fact that both of them are on the same team sort of robs the other of, uh, of an MVP case. I've seen some other names out there. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau is having an awesome season. Calgary is, is one of the top two teams in the West. I think I'd say they're second best right behind Colorado. Um, I just don't think he has the buzz or, the, or the, the narrative behind it. As much as I hate to say that that's a reason— I don't think anyone really gives a shit about the Calgary Flames unless they literally win the Stanley Cup. Um, And I don't think there's much of a case uh, in that regard. I don't hear a lot of people saying Johnny Gaudreau other than people sort of looking at stats and saying, oh, that's a guy who has sort of heart trophy, you know, potential heart trophy type impact. Um, Jonathan Huberdeau is another guy. I could tell you right now. So the heart favorite. So Matthews is the heart favorite. Then Connor McDavid, which is like he's always going to be up there, fair, and then Igor Shesterkin. Yep. So it's plus one fifty, plus four hundred, plus five hundred. I'm using just a random sports book. I'm not whatever. Um, to your point, Huberto is plus one thousand, which is the same as Ovechkin and Drysital. Goodrow is plus three thousand, which is the next one, and then Kaprizov, Makar, Miko Rantanen, Chris Kreider is plus six thousand. He's on the list. That's good, good. for him. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's not even, it's, it's both telling that, like, that Chesterkin's third on this list, and also that, like, all the other, like, it drops off so heavy after him. Yes. I mean, and Vesna right now, by the way, Chesty is 
the favorite at minus three ninety. Yeah, he's yeah, he's uh, he's he's basically got it locked up. Uh, yeah, the next person's plus a thousand, and then Vasilev like Mark Sherman, then Vasilevsky's plus sixteen hundred. So and Jack Campbell's plus twenty five hundred. So I think it was hockey <laughs> stat miner that had that stat about like he could let up ten goals on ten shots, and then the mm-hmm. Devils game, the game before Minnesota, I don't remember, uh, happened, and then that got up to like fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, that was the, mean, Winni- the Winnipeg game. It was Winnipeg. Where Winnipeg. he stopped 45 shots. But again, you know, that one, you know, just to sort of tie a bow on this and then we'll move on. But that was one of those games where I think a lot of people got freaked out by the shot totals. And they were like, they're not doing anything to help this guy. And it was just a classic case of, first of all, the, the, after two periods, it was roughly even in terms of expected goals. The Rangers only allowed, I think, one or two high danger chances at five on five. And then because they had built a big lead, it was four to one by like eight minutes into the third period. Winnipeg got a bunch of shots and they also got two power plays in the third period, um, you know, on which they they generate a lot of offense. And actually, even their power plays earlier in the game, they generated a lot of offense. Where So, you know, the Ranger penalty kill actually hasn't been as good lately, not just in terms of goaltending, but also in terms of their structure and denying the other team uh, scoring opportunities. They haven't been good, and I think that's something that needs to be adjusted here as we go down the stretch. But, yeah, I mean, he look, he puts up another, you know, really good game in Winnipeg, especially just from a raw saves perspective. But, but you know, the Rangers also played really well in that game. Chris Kreider scored another two goals. He's on up to 38 on the season. So, um, and you mentioned as well, Becky Mika Magic getting underway here in uh, March. It seems to be mm-hmm. his, uh, his best career month. Oh, that goal was ridiculous that goal was ridiculous and the pass to Kreider in the which game was that Winnipeg the, or the Devils the Winni- game the, the Winnipeg game where with yeah. the um with the for the breakaway you mean off the boards yeah yeah that was ridiculous. Oh, he also set up uh he set up uh, Kreider in the double game too I mean yeah I mean you know he's been Meek has no, been I'm thinking about the I'm thinking about the double game because that's yeah. the one that like broke the Devils where he like set up Kreider. I don't even know how he sees that, but he's been doing that all season. And like I, I'm a Mika defender, and so whatever. Like I take what I say with a grain of salt, but like he's so fucking smart. And every time I look at him, I think he's older than he is. I'm like, he's not. I'm like, he's only 28. So, but yeah, that goal was just disgusting. And it came from Zuccarello, which was kind of like makes me laugh a little. I love Zuc. I wish him the best, but I'm like, kind of just makes me chuckle yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that was he, you know, and and Dave, I know I saw you. I noticed in your uh, your goal write up after the game that he might have gotten away with a hook, and and actually, you know, if you watch the replay, and I think MSG showed it, they froze it. He didn't touch Zuccarello's hands. He actually lifted his stick from that angle cleanly. Oh wow! And stole the puck that. and scored. Yeah, so that was, I mean, that was an incredible play. I was going to say too, just before we uh, move on, tell me if you agree with this. I think that he has been, Mika Zibanejad has been their best all-around skater this year. I think if you look at offensive impact, defensive impact as well, you know, uh, a lot of people were hesitant about the contract, not because of the production, because he's going to score, he's an elite finisher, he's a good enough playmaker even on, on, his, on his average days, that the points were always, you know, probably going to come, but people worried about his play driving, you know, his his uh, his his on ice expected goals, those sorts of metrics. His defensive numbers were not good the last couple of years. Those have rebounded in a big way mm-hmm. this year. I think mm-hmm. if you look at some of those at some of those metrics, and I think if you just watch him during the game, uh, and Gerard Gallant has said it, and I know obviously everybody made fun of him when he was like, "Oh, I want Philip Hedl to play like Mika Zibanejad." Well, yeah, that would be that would be great. But what I think he meant was. 
his work away from the puck, his defense, his, you know, uh, his just uh, back checking and and uh, effort to get back into plays when when the other team is on a rush. So to me, he is their he is their most important skater right now. And that puts him above Adam Fox. That puts him above Artemi Panarin. That puts him above Chris Kreider. I don't know if that's too much of a hot take, but I think he's their most important non Chesterkin player right now. I agree. Hmm. Although you're not going to get, I'm not going to disagree. Yeah. Uh, although I would present a counter argument that their most important skater is Arte- is Artemi Panarin because he. I don't think anybody would argue that he's not having a Panarin season, but he's still a point per game yeah. player. And he's still dominating others. He's just not doing what you'd expect an $11.5 million player to be doing. He's not controlling. He's not that dynamic, controlling the play guy he was in his first season or even his second season. But. He, this he year, and Fox both look off to me. Especially yeah. Fox more so lately. Panarin's looked off all year, but they both look off to me, and I don't know what it is. Who knows if it's injuries or if it's off ice or if it's just a dip in their game because these things happen. These guys are human beings. You can't expect the exact same output from them every night, every week, every month, every season. But um, I agree with you, Dave. This has not been Panarin's best season, and I do think if the Rangers are going to make a deep run, both he and Fox – need to get back to that level they were at last year. Now, it's funny how these things work, right? Those guys were at such a ridiculous level last year, but Mika had a bit of an off year. Kreider obviously wasn't doing what he's doing this year. So, you know, look, obviously in an ideal world, all of your guys are going and they're playing at their absolute best all the time. That's not reality. And we're going to have to, you know, see how it plays out. But um, I think you're right. And I think if Panarin does get his game back to that level or something close to it, that makes the Rangers that much more dangerous because then they truly become a team with a dominant top six because Panarin makes that that second line just as unstoppable as the top line is right now. I mean, Panarin's amazing because, like, you literally, like, you're like, oh, I, like, didn't really notice Panarin much tonight or whatever. And then you look at the stat sheet and he had, like, three assists. <laughs> you're like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> like, I didn't even know they had three goals tonight, but sure, he's three yeah. assists. Like, how does this even work? And that's what I, I mean, mean, he's like a monster. Yeah. yeah. That's what no, I mean. No, I know. That's Steve, like, that's a good point. He, he's, what, what, you can't look at any game and say, wow, Panarin showed up for this one. Because he, there's something off. Yet he's still got 62 points in 52 games. Like, it's ridiculous. It's rid- I mean, he's a freak of nature. It is. And it's not that easy to score points. I mean, you know, it's amazing how some of these players now, obviously, Panarin gets a lot of ice time. But, you know, these guys who play a lot, who play 12, 13, 15 minutes a night, go on these 10, 12. I mean, Derek Stepan, I I love the guy as a Ranger, but he would go on 15, 20 game goalless streaks. He'd go on eight, nine, 10 game pointless streaks. And this was a guy who was ostensibly their number one center playing with top offensive players obviously he you know had had to play an all-around game and and worry about defense as well but it just shows you how elite a scorer Panarin is and also how elite a scorer Mika Zibanejad is so you know look that's that's certainly not an issue but the 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 problem right now is the Rangers are are an incomplete team so to that end uh there's a, a trade I don't want to call it a proposal but a thought experiment that I sort of threw out there today to some of our colleagues in the Blue Seat Blogs group chat. There was kind of a long discussion about it, and I think it makes great podcast uh, discussion fodder as well. So 
Let me preface it first by saying that I do not want this to happen uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, and the, the, the player that I'm going to mention as a potential target is not a good person. And it's been publicly known that he's not a good person. But I, I'm thinking of, the, of this because there's a guy that the Rangers, I think, may... I think there's more of a possibility of him getting traded than people realize. But only if they could bring back a bona fide star for, you know, two, three potential cup runs, obviously, depending on contract. So in my mind, I'm thinking, OK, who's a bona fide star, a true, true star player that could be on the move, right? Someone who's on a team that might be going into a rebuild in a year or two, someone who is on a big contract that the Rangers can maybe figure out uh, how to absorb that, the remain, the, you know, the remainder of that contract, whether it's a year and a half, two, two and a half years, whatever it may be. And so there was one guy that immediately came to my mind. This would also be a very, very old school Glenn Sather Ranger type move. Patrick Kane. Again, disclaimer, I don't want this to happen. And I think even beyond the off ice stuff, which we know is is terrible and sorted. And, you know, there's a good argument that the guy shouldn't be in the league anymore for what he did early in his career. Um, even on ice, I think there's drawbacks there. He plays no defense. He's not the player he was in terms of uh, driving play a few years ago. He's he's kind of coming to the end of his peak, and he's going to start his decline if it hasn't begun already. But I think that if the Rangers were willing to trade Capo Caco, they could probably get a guy like Patrick Kane back in return. And so the thought experiment is, and I threw this out to the group, and I'll throw it out to you guys, would you do it? And I think we have to try to have this discussion, even though it's difficult to in in the most on ice terms as possible but of course you know Kane with Kane the character issues are going to come up but do you does again maybe I'm just reaching here but I've heard a lot of people say over the last five six weeks as all these trade talks and trade rumors have been you know flowing on the on the internet that the people want the Rangers to really go for it they want them to get a name you know they don't want to just do like Ryan Carpenter and Calvin DeHaan or Brandon Hagel and um, you know, Ben Sherratt, like they want, they want Claude Giroux. They want T- Tomas Hurdle. They want, you know, I, I would, I would even say like Ricard Raquel does not, he's not a star player. He's a nice player. He scored 30 goals a couple of times, but I'm talking about the Rangers getting a big name star and Kane, you know, making sense, you know, not, not only because of that pedigree, but also having played with Panarin before, um, he would essentially get to come chase a cup in another big market, play in another, you know, uh, in a, in a, in another big city. So, I'll put it to you guys. I know there's a lot there to kind of digest, but this all hinges upon the the Rangers, I think, including a guy like Capo Caco or specifically Capo Caco in the deal, because um, otherwise, I think, you know, you're you're not getting you're not going to get a bite for a star player in a trade unless you you include a blue chip prospect or two. Yeah, I hate this idea. So I don't I don't disagree with the idea that you need to put like a Caco in for a monster trade. And I don't disagree with the idea that we should be going for it because like Igor is having a historical season and the magic seems to be there and what have you. But like the thought of Patrick Kane wearing a Ranger sweater makes me feel more nauseous than like pregnancy made me. So I just, I can't even, he's a fucking repulsive human being. And I, I don't want him. I don't even want him at MSG like when the Blackhawks play the Rangers. So yeah just hard pass he's a disgusting person he's a rapist he's an assault like literally abuser he is the most just repulsive Uh, and and the fact that he's still like 
one of the poster boys for the NHL or and like has all these endorsements is just to me like a huge piece of what's wrong with our entire culture and celebrity and whatever. So just I'm not I'm not even engaging any further than that. I'll let Dave talk more. Yeah, I will. Uh, first off, I want nothing to do with Patrick Kane. I used to be a Yankee fan. I don't follow baseball much. Um, I was okay, but didn't like the fact that they traded for Aroldis Chapman, who was a very noted wife beater. Uh, I was happy when they traded him to the Cubs. And then once they re-signed him, when I learned that, you know, screw it, I'm done. I haven't really followed the Yankees since. I haven't really followed baseball since. So that's where I stand on it. But for the sake of the argument, in order to make... And I'm going to stick solely with Kane here. In order to make a trade like this work, two things need to happen. The first is Kane needs to be traded at 50% retained to Arizona for money laundering purposes. Then at another 50% retained to the Rangers. So Chicago gets $5.25 million. Arizona gets 2.625, the Rangers get the 2.625. And in that scenario, a Kane player is well worth Capo Caca because you get two runs at the cup. It's not like Kane is disappearing. He's over a point per game right now. So it's not like they're getting this 38-year-old guy who's disappearing off the face of the earth. You're not. And you insert him right away with Panarin and Strom, and you have two top 10 first lines on the same team because you have Zibanejad, Kreider, Laff, you have Panarin, Strom, Kane, and you could put Heedle there next year and not worry about it because you still got Panarin and Kane to carry him. All Heedle has to do is just park his ass in front of the net, basically. Yeah, well, he and, and when Kane and Panarin played together, it was with Artem Anisimov, who's a nice player, but certainly not a not a dynamic. Yeah, and then Anisimov uh, had like three hundred points that year or some shit like that. It was absurd. Yeah, he was. Kid- <laughs> yes. Oh, I love him. What a delight. But yeah, it, I mean, listen, it's yeah, and I, I think look, it, it works. You know, look, yes, and and I think look, I wish there was another name. And, and as a matter of fact, I think when we were talking about this in the chat. I kind of said, to, I was like, are there any other guys out there that are like that are like Patrick Kane in terms of their skill profile, fit on the Rangers pedigree? And I just don't think there is. So that's why the name comes up again. I'm not out here screaming that I want them to to get him because of, you know, primarily because of the off ice stuff. But I'm just thinking in terms of this is the kind of thing the Rangers do historically, like. And, and I think the other important piece here, and, I, and maybe this is what we can more, you know, engage a little bit more on, on Becky and we could leave the Kane stuff behind, but is Kako. I just think that, and I have no, obviously, knowledge, inside sources, any of that stuff, but I just doesn't feel like Kako is long for this organization. I think they feel like they have too many wingers already. They've got a bunch of wingers coming up through the system behind him with Othman and Will Cooley and all these other guys. Um He's now been hurt a bunch in his career. He has not played anything close to a full season. And yes, we can blame COVID for some of that, but he has had legitimate long-term injuries. This latest one, very frustrating. I mean, it almost makes it a lost season for him. And I think the Rangers are looking at other young players that they're going to prioritize over him, mainly Lafreniere, Keandre Miller. Uh, obviously, you know, Fox is already done and dusted, but I would not surprise me if they made Capo Caco, Caco available. And... Um, uh, you know, I just wonder if what you guys think about that. Maybe I'm totally off base here. 
I think we'd be selling low. I mean, I don't like. Look, I don't love the idea of trading Capo, uh, Capo, Caco, <laughs> but um, I also. I'm also of the mind that, like, if you want to make a big trade, it's going to cost you something, and it's going to cost you something tangible and not just, like, this prospect that you're oddly obsessed with due to, I don't know, whatever reason, and, like, may or may not work out. I think at the end of the day, a a player who's playing in the league right now and is showing you what they can do in the league right now is, in most cases, going to be more provocative and like more valuable than a than a prospect maybe i've watched moneyball too many times i don't know but so i'm gonna throw something out there first off kako doesn't get traded at the trade deadline this uh well for starters he's hurt so he's not getting traded at the trade deadline second is this type of deal is done at the draft where you're trading a second overall pick for a guy with a huge contract. So right off the bat, you're not getting somebody who's helping you for this playoff run. But keep an eye on Dallas if they miss the playoffs. There are rumblings that they may overhaul the front office if They missed the playoffs, and now all of a sudden you're looking at a new front office, a lot of high-priced guys that, in theory, you could land, again, using Arizona for money laundering. I love how Arizona's only purpose in this entire league is for (laughs) money laundering. They they are, they're basically Grand Cayman. They're the the Cayman Islands. (laughs) Um, Sagan or Ben? Yeah, Jamie Ben probably is the more likely of the two, even though he's the captain. Um, Fewer years, a little older, but I would not be surprised if they miss the playoffs. They try to recoup by trading Ben for, and he's also he could play wing, but Sagan also plays right wing, Ben left wing. These guys can play either wing. Let's be real. And they'd be stopgaps for an Othman or a Cooley or anything like that. I don't. I'm not as high on Cooley as everybody else. I am very high on Othman, but he could be. Ben would be a stopgap. Yeah, throwing it out there. You know, there are guys like that that could be available after the deadline. Yeah. No, it's a good question. It's a good point. So. Just something to keep an eye on. I just, and again, I'm not sort of like, I don't want to say, I certainly don't want to come across as rumor mongering here. This is really more just a random thought in my head, mainly revolving around Kako, because again, it just, it just, it just doesn't feel right right now. It doesn't feel like, and maybe that's because he's been hurt and he hasn't been playing. And, and certainly, look, I want him to come back and succeed. And, and the easiest solution for the Rangers this year is to get a, a healthy Kako back for the last five weeks of the year put him on Panarin and Strom's wing and, and, and let that cook the way they've let the Lafreniere, uh, Zabana, Jack Kreider line cook. Um, all right, we're, uh, we're running short on time, so we do want to get to the fan questions. Becky, why don't you uh, hit us with those, and we'll uh, – I, don't, I, don't, I think we have only advanced notice on one of them, so I'm excited to hear what these are. I do want to add one okay. more name before Becky gets into that, and that's a name that's been brought up before. Winnipeg is going to do something. Shifley's name had, I've heard before. Right. That could be done Can at the deadline. Can through this before? Yeah, didn't we like kind of walk through Shifley? I feel like we did. I think it's. I think the situation has changed in the last couple of weeks, though, because Winnipeg has really fallen out of it. They're not a playoff team this year. Yeah, 
Interesting. It's an interesting name. All right, folks, I'm going to start with a fun question. Well, actually, sorry, I'm going to back it up. So we talked about this a little bit, but um, friend of the pod, NYR Shot Club, Immortal Lou, asks us, what's the best argument that you've either seen or can think of against Igor winning the heart? So against. Well, let's cross. He doesn't play all the games off the list. And let's cross. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a goalie off the list. And he already has his own trophy. I think the best argument is that that someone else deserves it, that that it's, you know, that Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, you know, and, and you know, I have a, a little bit more of a bias towards McDavid because I just think he is so incredibly talented. Obviously, Matthews is, too. But, you know, what what McDavid did and obviously I know MVP, you know, the Hart Trophy is for the 2021-22 season. But what he did last year, I mean, I remember thinking it. he was for a long while, and I know they were only playing against Canadian teams, so maybe you take it with a grain of salt. That was, you know, maybe not the highest level of, of opponents he was facing every night uh, in that weird COVID divisional schedule. But um, he was, like, running at a two-point-per-game pace for a long time last year, like Gretzky-type Gretzky numbers or Mario Lemieux-type numbers. And, again, I look at Austin Matthews' numbers. Yeah, he, he's he's got he's going to hit probably 60 goals. He's got 32 assists. So, you know, okay, he's on pace for 120 points. Like, yeah, that's an awesome season. Like, Yarmir Yager had 123 points. He didn't win the Hart Trophy. Um, so, but, but you know, uh, point being that it's because McDavid or Matthews really deserve it. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a bad argument, but that's all I can, that's all I can think of. I don't think it's a bad argument. Uh, but I'm going to piggyback off that argument because Matthews right now has 43 goals. The next highest scorer on Toronto is Mitch Marner at 23 goals. William Nylander has 22. Michael Bunting, the, you know, Billy Madison in kindergarten winning the Calder this year, <laughs> has 20 goals and Tavares has 19. So those are your leading score, top five goal scorers for Toronto and Matthews has lapped everybody. So I can definitely see a very credible and good argument for Austin Matthews winning the heart based off of that. But Mm -hmm. the question I have, and it's very difficult to quantify, is what are the Leafs without Matthews? What where would they be? Would they still be a playoff team without Matthews? I don't know. I would say yes. I think they are because they still have Tavares. They still have uh, Kerfoot. They still Marner. have a bunch of Marner, Nylander. You know, they still have all these guys. Whereas if the Rangers were relying on Georgiev, yeah, he'd probably be about your 9-17, goalie. He'd be getting the job done, but he wouldn't be what Shesterkin is. Without Shesterkin, I did the math in that post I wrote a while ago. I think Shesterkin right now, as of today is has been worth eight wins or 16 points in the standings Mm -hmm. and if he continues this Mm -hmm. pace it'll be closer to i think it was 10 or 11 wins and 22 points in the standings it's absolutely absurd what he's doing yep they are a fringe playoff team if not fully out of the playoffs without him no doubt i think they're in the playoffs because the rest of the metro is dog shit but it's a lot closer than we'd like it to be. Like, there's a 20-point gap between 4th and 5th right now. I'm yeah. slight exaggeration, but it's it's ridiculous. The playoffs in the East are decided. Becky, what do you think? 
What do you have any line on an argument there against Igor winning it? Um, I mean, I think the best argument I've seen is that Thatcher Demko is better. So. <laughs> yeah, Fair. I think that's oh, it. God. The shrooms yeah. in Vancouver must be fantastic. That guy got so sad too. I literally was like, "Why am I on this?" And then he he blocked me, and I was like, "Sometimes the trash really does take itself out." Imagine being that... named Thatcher. <laughs> Wait, no. So obviously, this is not going to get great hits, but like Gray's Anatomy, Gray's dad is Thatcher, and like he kind of sucks. So anyway, I don't know anybody named not, Thatcher. Not the target audience. Like Thatcher's a made-up yeah, name, name from like Game of Thrones. <laughs> all right guys um next question and actually this still has to do with uh trophies and it's built to spill who's friend of the pod of course since we're on this unreal trophy run and could be looking at a norris vezina hart and jack adams in two seasons i don't remember quinn winning the jack adams just kidding. i think he's referring to Golan. just kidding just kidding <laughs> after this season What's the next individual trophy a Ranger will pick up, and who will it be? And I'm going to take this, and I'm going to say it's going to be Chris Kreider winning the Rocket Richard. That's it. Um, can I go with Adam Fox winning his second Norris trophy? That's what I'll say. Yeah. Um, I have a clarification question first. The Lester B. Pearson Award, the MVP amongst players – like when players vote for the MVP, can a goalie has a goalie won it? Can a goalie win it? I don't know. <laughs> good, good question. I mean, let's not get crazy here. We've already done this debate tonight. So I think the players are a little bit smarter than the writers because the writers have a tremendous Canadian bias. Sorry, they do. I mean, Montreal sure fans do. are losing their minds over somebody winning the heart that's not Carey Price. Um, but if a goalie can win the Lester Pearson Award, I would say Sturkin go- would win that. A goalie's won it. it Hasek, actually. So two in a row. I just pulled it up. And it, it's actually now known as the Ted Lindsay Award. Oh, right. But, yeah, um, it's the Ted Lindsay Award. But that's fine. You got the, the, the historical name. It was the Lester B. Pearson Award, first awarded in 1971. It is a companion to the Hart Memorial Trophy, which is awarded to the league's most valuable player, as judged by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. That's the Hart. This, as you said, Dave, is is uh, voted on by members of the NHL Players Association. So uh, the name changed in 2009-2010. Uh, Ovechkin won it three years in a row, 07-08, 08-09, 09-10, and Carey Price won it in 14-15. So he's the last goalie to win it. Hasek has won it well. So, yeah, to your point, Dave, it could certainly be Shesterkin winning the now Ted Lindsay Award. I forgot about that name change. Well, it just shows that you're a true hockey fan with sticking with the original name. The old guys in the comments will be really happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't believe in podcasts. No, <laughs> I'm not saying what I want to say. <laughs> Next question. Next question. Another award question. Oh, this is like kind of a fun one, but whatever. Jessica Lane 312 friend and contributor to the pod, asks, who do you think will get the Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award this season? Greg McKegg. Ooh. <laughs> of course. 
Yeah, I'm serious. Effort Greg McKegg. I, th- I think we should all vote for him. Kind of the way John Scott got into the All-Star game. <laughs> Stuff the ballot boxes for Greg McKegg. I did that once with David Wright. You know what? I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna start that campaign. Stuff the Stephen McDonald ballot box for Greg McKegg. All right. So, Dave, you're going McKegg. Yes. I'm. I'm gonna start a campaign for this now. So mm-hmm. it's obviously going to be Igor. Mm-hmm. And that that's fine. Obviously, you know, this is the the. It's basically the fan award, right? Obviously, all the Ranger fans get to vote on it, and it's probably the most important uh, team wide award that that they give. Uh, it's always very special too. If you've ever been to the game where they present that trophy, uh, mm-hmm. it's usually one of the last few games of the season. Always a great moment on the ice. Obviously, Stephen McDonald, the police officer, passed away a few years ago, but now his son and his uh, his his uh, his widow um, and and the rest of his family are there to to present the award. Um, Matt Zuccarello won it a bunch of times. Obviously, Hank won it a bunch of times. I, I know. I think Adam Graves won it more than more than anybody. Um, Although I think maybe Zook was giving him a run for his money when he before he uh, left the Rangers, um, I would love if it was Mika Zibanejad just because. Well, like I was saying before, I think he is their most important player, not named Shesterkin, and truly just you know just to use the most basic of uh, of of I guess analysis, you know, basic piece of analysis. Like the guy is just clearly working his ass off this year. I mean, he really, really is just. Uh, desperate for them to win every game and he's doing everything he can when he's on the ice it's been a joy to watch Mika play this year I think between him and Kreider they really are essentially co-captains of the team they're both fulfilling their roles greatly um Kreider will get a bunch of votes as well but I I I would love to see Mika get it yeah I think my answer is going to be Kreider um I mean I think it's going to be Igor but I'm just trying to give like other options here so I think I'm going to put my vote in for Kreider he's having a hell of a season He's been streaky as all hell always, and he's finally found it. And I don't know what to attribute that to, but I think it's pretty great and it's pretty magical to watch him. And I just love it. And also, I think if possible, we can give it to both him and Mika because those hugs after the game give me fucking life every single time. Everybody. Every time. We all await the hug. Yeah, we need it. All right, Spozo211 asks a defense-related question. Why won't Gallant switch Lindgren and Miller? I feel like we need Luker. Where's Luker? Where's Luker? (laughs) At Luker. (laughs) I don't know. Who wants to take a shot at this guy? Gallant's history has never been changing lines the way Tom Rennie did with the Tom Rennie lineup generator. Um (laughs) Peter Pruka is a healthy guy. <laughs> that was the uh, I missed that. I, I still have it linked. Uh, I still have the link to it, but the link is dead. That was the best part of it. Peter Pruka is a healthy guy. That was like basic HTML, like back uh-huh. in the day, like 2007 or whatever. I think one of them wound up with Dimitri Kalinin as a forward, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but you know, Kalin's thing has never been changing his defense pairs, changing his lines after a loss or whatever. He likes his guys to gel and develop a connection, develop a rapport, which is great. But every coach has a weakness. This is one of his weaknesses. He doesn't recognize when there's time for a change. But there's also, we don't know what the hell is going on with Adam Fox. Him and Lindgren have been off since the All-Star break. And I don't think anybody's going to argue differently about that. There is something up with that top pair. We don't know what it is right now. Um, I think we have to know what that is, but you know, to Luker's point, I wouldn't mind seeing Lingren and Truba. 
Yeah, no, I think it could, it, it kind of just could give everybody a little bit of a jolt. And, you know, that's one of, I think Rob makes a great point whenever he brings up this argument. You don't need to stick with it. If, if it doesn't work or if it doesn't provide the jolt necessary or if it works for five games and then it stops working, you can always go back to the, the pairs you know and love. Um, to me, I think he definitely values chemistry and I think um, he just wants to keep the game as simple as possible for, for his players. That's why, as you said, Dave, he doesn't like to change up lines. He only does it really to, to try and spark a team in a game. But even, you know, he moved the lines around during the Minnesota game. Then he went right back to pretty much the normal line structure in practice the following day. So I think we can expect that to be the case, uh, you know, even in the playoffs when, you know, even coaches who don't juggle their lines that much. I mean, you know, Elaine Vigneault didn't normally do that a lot in the regular season. He would do it a lot in the playoffs because, you know, you have like one of those games where you get shut out by Pittsburgh in the middle of a series and you go down two to one or three to one. You got to change stuff. You got to try and wake your team up. At least that's the that's the conventional way of thinking. So we'll see what happens with Gallant in the playoffs. But it's just familiarity and chemistry. And, you know, Fox and Lindgren have been together for a long time even predating their days uh, as Rangers. Miller and Truba now have been, you know, together basically for what has been Keandre Miller's entire NHL career. He's also playing uh, amazing the last couple of months. He's been so good. I know he's had a rough game in Minnesota, so we'll give him a pass on that, but he's been unbelievable. Everyone did. Everyone did. Everybody I mean, Brian Reeves was on the top line in Minnesota, so we can't say that he doesn't really juggle lines. (laughs) Well, I know, yeah. 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 No, I know, but I'm, I'm obviously kidding, but... So yeah. off topic, um, I had no idea. Sammy Blay is on the road trip. He's not going to play, obviously. The guy is not playing this year. He blew out his knee. Uh, but I didn't know he was on the trip. Yeah, he was, which was nice. Yeah. And they showed him in like pregame, like dicking around with Pox, and yeah, it was it was nice. That's good to see. I like Sammy. I mean, whatever. Obviously, there's not much to judge him on, and like he was the one who was traded for Pavel Buchnevich. So like, essentially, he's like belongs in hell or something but like I just I don't know I mean I'm I wish that obviously and I know I'm not alone in this but like I obviously wish that he were not slew footed to death this year and we could see what he could bring because he's not gonna be like Pavel Buchnevich and he's not gonna give that much but like I just I would have loved to see him play a little bit more than he did Uh, do we need another third line winger do we have Julian Gauthier in the lineup who does everything except score yeah. I mean, is Julian Gauthier a Ranger after the trade deadline? No. I don't think so either. I don't think so. All right. Final question. Uh, at post IM notes. Postum notes? <laughs> I like that. Uh, Postum notes. <laughs> so, so they ask, should Drury lump all his assets into one package and do all of his shopping in Anaheim and then parens? Raquel, Lindholm, Comtois, and Getzlaff. I mean, wow. it's aggressive. It's definitely aggressive. I like it. <laughs> you're, lo- yeah. you're looking at a lot. I mean, Raquel, j- just individually. Raquel, you go the Zuccarello trade, a second and a third. Um, Comtois is actually signed for another year. Interesting. And 23. I didn't know that. That's interesting. He... Yeah, he's Put a young 33 player. points. He's, to, he's young, yeah. but I don't think he's that. I mean, like, I don't know. I guess he he serves a purpose, but he's, he's the kind of a, I'm he's, least excited about in those. He's kind of a days. kind of a pest, too. I mean, he's definitely yeah, like a, he um, you know, I certainly don't want to 
uh, compare him to recently re-retired professional hockey player Sean Avery, but he is on <laughs> that. Uh, he is on that. Kid, yeah, because he played for one day for the whatever ECHL team that was, and then he basically got cut. Um, because, you know, 41-year-olds can't play at that level. And his skates were in the Hudson. They must have been a little waterlogged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I wonder if the blades got rusty, I'm sure. But um, the he's on that continuum. You know, he's like a, he's like a pest. He'll, he'll fight a guy. He'll fight another kind of like, you know, uh, smaller pest-type pest player. Um, so he's... He would almost fill to me like that Dorset or or a Carcillo role, even those guys, though, even though those guys were more veteran fourth line types. Um, not a bad player, not a bad ad. Um, I just think that you know, if you're Anaheim and you're looking to kind of rebuild on the fly, retool, like restock your prospect pipeline, you're not going to want to get all your prospects from the same team because if you were to do that, then you basically are assuming that you have the exact same draft philosophy you're trying to build the exact same type of team and that's that's just generally not how these things work and I, and I think Anaheim would feel like they could get not only more diversity but more probably more pieces total if they break those guys up into separate trades rather than trade them all in one so I don't know but yeah. but I mean you know I think I cut you off there though Dave so keep going I mean what would the Rangers have to give up like you said if they if to get four players I mean that's a monster trade so you're looking at what a first for let's let's make it easy a first for Lindholm a second and a third for Raquel probably I mean you're not looking at more than a third or a fourth for Comtois uh, gets left I have no fucking idea what he'll get let's call it a second round pick because that's easy so obviously the Rangers aren't. What about Heedle do... too? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they... I don't. I don't really want to get rid of Heedle. I wouldn't get rid of. Oh, Hedl. I don't either. I would say I really don't want to. You have to give bodies. Or Gautier. Gautier has to go. Care. Like Gautier's gone yeah. in this. I think they have to give up another body. Uh, I don't know. Greg McKay. <laughs> or Nemeth. Nemeth probably Nemeth. You know what? Yeah, take, Nemeth. take your give. Take your give. It's fine. Nemeth it's fine. would go. I don't think they take your give only because they got Gibson and Stellars and Gibson I know Gibson but in my fantasy in like in La La Land where like the NHL makes fun ridiculous trades like this and this yeah. is not a, a knock on postum notes it's like a knock on the NHL being just not fun like in my like fantasy land they'll take Georgie so I want to try to put this together you're looking at a first round pick a second round pick Vitaly Kravtsov Matthew Robertson Julian Gauthier, Patrick Nemeth, and I would say another second and third round pick for all that. It's a lot. It's a lot, but that would actually be fun. I would love to see that That happen. It would be so fun. You're looking at the two, the Rangers and two Anaheim. It's going to take up the entire fucking page. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, what's, what's interesting, what you said, you know, Becky, about the league not being fun you know, you look at uh, the NBA trade trade deadline happened a few weeks ago, and you know those are teams with much smaller rosters, and there are six, seven, eight, ten player trades that happen pretty frequently. Not sometimes between three teams, sometimes between two. And I mean, that's if you trade three guys off of an NBA roster, that's twenty percent of your roster. So yeah. you know, for for the for the Rangers to bring in four new players. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a big chunk of the roster, and, and they'd have to they'd have to exit some some guys like we were saying. But um, I agree. I mean, I, that would be fun if it happened. Um, I actually think Getzlaff falls into that category of you know star player. He's obviously much older, and um, you know he's not he's not. I, I think we can safely say he's out of his prime. 
But I mean, man, what a great veteran presence that would be to add. And he, and he fits the, uh, he, he checks the box for Chris Jury of a guy who's won a cup before. So, um, maybe there is something there with Ryan gets that can happen. I don't know. Yeah. And that's it, guys. That's that's the questions we got today. So thank you so much, everyone who asked us questions. You make the show so much more fun um, and definitely a lot more fun for us to record. So thank you. Yeah, I thoroughly. This is Absolutely by far my favorite part of the show. I love it. Yeah. And so we should mention before we go that um, we are trying to uh, line up uh, a bit of a special trade deadline edition of this podcast we're not sure if it's going to be a Twitter space yet. We may do it as a live stream, maybe to something like, you know, maybe we do a, like a live stream to YouTube. We're, we're, we're sort of exploring our options. But but on that trade deadline day, either in the immediate aftermath of the trade deadline around four o'clock or maybe that evening around, say, eight or nine, the three of us would love to go live and have a conversation with with you guys, with our with our listeners. You know, again, a Twitter space might be the best place to do it um, where we can, you know, talk about what the Rangers did. Hopefully it's it's it's, you know. Uh, a lot. We don't want them to to have a quiet deadline at all. This team clearly needs help and uh, clearly deserves to be rewarded for the season they put together so far. Uh, and try and you know load up and, and go after the Stanley Cup because once you get in, anything can happen. Um, so we you know we want to react to all that news. Obviously, what happens with the Rangers, what goes on uh, across the rest of the league, and the impact that may have on the Rangers. Um, so we will let everybody know by next week's show. We will let everybody know the details for our trade deadline special, but be on the lookout for that. Should be uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, and that just about does it for us. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week. 